0: Hello and welcome. This is the Yoga Revolution podcast. My name is Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him. This podcast is an exploration of how we can live yoga right now and how we can apply the yoga teachings in our lives. We'll discuss the intersection of yoga and social justice, as well as how to build a practice that supports our activism. All my guests are contributors to my new book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's and I'm back with another episode of Yoga Revolution podcast. And today, my special guest is Melai Swan. Hi. Hey, Jeevana. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm good. Lovely to be here with you.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Um, All right, let me introduce you more formally, and then we can talk. I I wanted to share a bit about your um, background. So Melai Swan, born on the unceded indigenous lands of Australia, Um, you're the founder of the social enterprise Yoga school, Yoga for Humankind, offering specialized trainings in trauma-informed yoga and embodied social change dedicated to the paths of yoga, meditation, and community practice for over 20 years. Maylife Swan's approach to yoga is deeply embodied, inclusive, and inquiry-based. She's an experienced yoga teacher, trainer, and certified Embodied flow facilitator with a professional background in music, community development, and social work. You specialize in trauma-informed yoga and social justice, somatics, and nada yoga, sound and mantra, and you're passionate about building community and. Making the richness and depth of the yoga teachings and practices accessible, relevant, and empowering for every body, heart, and mind. And I can link to your website uh, in the show notes. How is that?
1: <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> it's always weird hearing it's your all... own bio being read out to you.
0: <laughs> I know it's kind of funny. I enjoy it though. I enjoy reading people's bios um... so they can hear about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you. Thanks for joining me today. And you're I, in Australia right now, is that right?
1: I yeah. am. I'm on the lands of the Iraq, the Minjingbo people in the Banjalang Nation, otherwise known as the area of Byron Bay, Byron um, Bay. which has become oh insta-famous famous for all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. But it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and the land is very magical. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Byron Bay, I mean... I actually was supposed to come, you know, then COVID happened, but I was on the, I had a plan to come teach in Australia and then got canceled. And my friend, Maria Kirsten, you know, who passed away, she lived in that area, I believe. Mm-hmm. Did you know her?
1: No, did I didn't you know-, know her.
0: You didn't know her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, amazing. we look forward
1: to welcoming you at some point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Well, so the way I've... Um, been doing these podcasts is i've asked each of the contributors to read the section that they wrote for the book i wonder if you could do that i can do that that for us yeah okay thanks
1: and i'll start with the question that you asked too how does yoga practice support your service and social justice work um for me yoga is not just in support of but it's at the heart of my service and social justice work In my late teens, I had some profound experiences of interconnectedness and compassion through the practices of meditation and yoga. These experiences birthed a deep fire to be of service through love, to care deeply for each other and our earth. This shifted me from studying astrophysics to a 20-year-plus path of service through spiritual practice and teaching, community and social justice work. These threads have eventually woven together into what I share today, embodied trauma-informed yoga and social justice education. My own practice has been both the fire and the water throughout. It's been a path of great personal transformation and healing and has nourished me along the way with inner guidance, resilience, courage and a strong ethical foundation. Yoga is truly my ground, my compass, my service and my joy
0: oh thank you it's so beautiful and i'm so glad we get to talk about it because ever since you sent this to me i've had lots of questions for you <laughs> <laughs> two main things and i we could talk about them one at a time but i'm i'm really curious about some of those experiences you mentioned in the beginning you talk about profound experiences of interconnectedness and i don't know how much you can share about that but i'd love to know yeah I and mean, of course i want to know about astrophysics too so just so you know
1: <laughs> i know it's odd isn't it i I mean, just to touch briefly on that one, it's like I wanted to study astrophysics and then through, you know, the path of yoga, I'm like, I'm an astrophysicist on the inside. That's way better ah, than a mathematician.
0: <laughs> on the inside. Um, I get that.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, going going back to those experiences in my, in my late teens, it was actually on my first – so I did my first 10-day meditation retreat in Thailand uh, when I was 18 – and had been kind of dabbling in in meditation and Tai Chi and different practices before then. Um, And, I mean, it was in in Thai Buddhism, in Theravadan Buddhism, actually, where I really got my foundation in spiritual practice. And I was doing a walking meditation in a hall that had no walls and looking out over a coconut grove. I was very serious, very focused, and then as I was walking, I noticed everything start to turn shimmery, like a shimmery gold and sort of Mm. shimmer dissolve in front of my eyes, and and then I saw everything pulsing. And as that happened, I noticed that it was pulsing with my breath. So as I breathed, Mm. everything expanded and then contracted, and I, I had this beautiful recognition of, oh, this is the one breath. And mm-hmm. the most profound experience of you know, oneness, which is often a word I shy away from, but that, <laughs> you know, a deep interconnectedness and wow. And, and at the same time, this insight dropped in that <clears throat> this life, like this human form, this human body and all of our senses and then the, you know, apparent world, with all of the sense objects, but they're the perfect manifestation of life in order to experience itself. Mm. And from that place, that I mean that's obviously stayed with me for my whole life, but from that recognition, I mean it's kind of the cliche, but it's the point in a way of yoga mm. is once you recognize your interconnectedness with all of life and the source of all of life, you can't help but find compassion and feel compassion. Mm. Yeah. So that that's, that's, the, that's the experience I was alluding to there.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing. And you shared it so clearly. I could just visualize it in my mind. You know, it's so powerful. It's almost... Sometimes I think... Um, I used to have... I used to want those experiences. I had some similar, maybe not quite like that, but, um, and I used to seek them out. And then I, it occurred to me at some point that I'm having them all the time, that this reality, <laughs> this reality is amazing and magical. And like, if we just see it that way, um, we could have, we could feel that way all the time, I guess is what I mean with that, with those eyes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then that's the practice, isn't it? <laughs> it's like you have the insights, the moments of revelation, and then it's the practice of embodying it in moment to moment.
0: Yeah, exactly. So maybe share maybe you could share more about well, I guess I want to go back to astrophysics first before we go into your work. Because I'm I love I, I'd love to hear more about your work and trauma-informed teaching is really interesting to me. Um, but astrophysics is that uh, the study of space and I mean, what is that? I don't even know what it is. It's it's the
1: study of the structure and form of the universe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. And and when I was in my, it's funny that I went to study physics at university because it was my least favorite subject at high school. But then when I was about 15, somehow I fell into some popular science books and got completely obsessed with complexity and, Mathematics and you know, black holes and astrophysics, and I became really obsessed with it. I wanted to study it, but it all got Amazing. undone by studying. I was studying mathematics and physics and philosophy and linguistics alongside each other, and I studied a subject in the, in Buddhist philosophy, and it turned everything upside down because I felt like I mm. home and yeah.
0: That's so amazing, yeah. And and actually, in my new in my book that we're talking about, I I refer to a study of the similarities between structures in space and the brain, the neur- mm-hmm. neurons, I guess, and the way they connect with each other, and the way that um, galaxy clusters are connected. There's the almost, I mean, visually, it's almost looks almost exactly the same. It's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I I love actually how you know physicists understanding so much about the structure of the universe but when they get to consciousness they don't know what to do mm. <laughs> you know? oh, reminds me in one of in like when i'm teaching on the yoga sound and looking at the big bang there's this cute video from this from the 60s and you know where they sent the space probe out into space and they discovered cosmic background radiation and mm. they turned it into a single sound frequency and the video and that's you know it's called the sound of the big bang
0: um, oh.
1: and it's, it's great because I use it to sort of demonstrate om as well, but at the end they're like, but how do we really listen to the sound of the universe? And you know, how do we, and I always think it's so funny because from that moment, I'm just like, you know, as a yogi, you're like, yeah, you listen by, you know, going in to your own consciousness. And instead in the video, they go into this explanation about the technology <laughs> of the space probe. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that connection between um, science and spirituality. It does seem like a lot of scientists are very spiritual, actually, and maybe become more as they continue to ask questions through their life. You know, they seem so interconnected, trying to understand the nature of reality using different techniques and different forms, you know, like... um, yeah that's so interesting can you tell us about how you got involved in yoga i mean is that was it just through your interest that you just or, or did someone inspire you in your life
1: i am um, i actually i started doing tai chi and then meditation like from my mid-teens and i was i had done bits and pieces of yoga so we you know in that first meditation retreat i did there was yoga there and You know, I was an activist from pretty early on, so I'd be going to different activist things and, you know, camping out and there'd be, you know, people would offer yoga. And so it was around me and I avoided it because I was like, no, everybody's doing yoga. This is back in the late 90s. Everybody's doing yoga. I don't want to do it because, of course, I wanted to be doing something different from everybody else. Um, So I actually avoided it for years, and then in my early 20s, I think I was about 21, 21, 22, I had a, from doing a lot of meditation, like I really got into Tibetan Buddhist meditation and I was doing hours yeah. of meditation a day and reading all of the texts, and and I had a breakdown. Like I had quite a serious, you know, mental, emotional breakdown, which also I recognised at the time was a spiritual breakthrough. And there was something intuitive in me that knew I had to get into my body to ground because I really wasn't okay. Um, you know, And that recognition I'd been doing so much of my practice, I had a very strong mind, and I was doing so much of my practice in my mind and beating myself up. And, and so with that breakthrough, <clears throat> I started practicing yoga. I actually got really into Ayenga and then Ashtanga for, for quite a few years. Which was great, right. you know. My early twenties, I just, I just needed to really strengthen mm-hmm.
0: and ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I can really relate. To- <laughs> <laughs> Personally, yeah i I am um, more like it that, that way too. Like, I love to think and question and examine things, and you know, just being being in the body is always more of a challenge. But that's so great about yoga, you know. We have this balance. Now you yeah. can find the find the way that works for your individually, any combination of these amazing practices. Yeah. Um,
1: this is what I think is that's... so amazing about yoga as well because it's you know I mean I guess the way that it's been adopted in the West has primarily been as a physical practice. But then when you get yeah. into the the breadth and the depth of yoga and all of the different lineages, there's actually such a complete yeah. practice. It's got a, you know it has the philosophy it has all of the mindfulness and meditation it's got the physical practices the energetic practices and the psychological tools and practices and insights as well right yeah
0: yeah and and actually like you mentioned in your quote um has the ethical foundation and i feel like it's so important um, in spirituality to have the ethical foundation you know we can easily go wrong (laughs) ourselves and through our communities you know there can be so much there's so much abuse and mm-hmm. um i don't know not just abuse but just like mm, misdirected energy that can happen in yoga communities and um i i i think a lot about how the practices raise energy and give us all of this access to a lot of power And then if we aren't working on the mind through well with an ethical foundation and just through self-awareness then that energy and power is just exaggerating whatever is already there you know it's exaggerating the ego or whatever tendencies we have that are in the mind so it feels like to do just the physical i mean and, and you know i understand that's a great place to start like i i love asana and i think starting with a strong physical practice is amazing But if you if you keep going too far without bringing in that awareness and ethics, I think it can cause trouble.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's an interesting one too around the ethics of yoga because in a way, this you know when like when I described that experience that I had early on, um, you know that experience of that fundamental interconnectedness and the well of compassion. That flows from there or even understanding like, how do we create harmony together you know, looking at the way that life moves and nature mm-hmm. moves and how we want to be together you know that's so much so much of the harm that's caused comes from ignorance and wounding mm-hmm. and that you know how do we bring that all back into harmony and wholeness from that direct experience and of course on the way those ethical foundations you know the principles and the practices given to us in yoga and other traditions as well they're like the ladder you know to sort of help you get there on the way
0: yeah i love that it's beautiful and and in in a way i mean that kind of leads me to trauma-informed yoga because i feel like um Trauma-informed teaching, well, I'm curious to hear how you describe it, but I feel like the way I've been thinking about it recently is is that it's around, a lot of it has to do with power and power dynamics within yoga. And um, I've been been thinking about trauma-informed teaching as a way to give the student or participant equal power and control over that situation when we're in a group class for example and how trauma informed that is or that's that's really what it's about it's about the power what do you think about that power dynamic that happens in yoga
1: absolutely that's at the heart of it and so when we understand what trauma is and how it shows up and i you know in a very very simple way i think about trauma as disconnection of our fundamental relationships our relationship with ourselves our relationship with the world with others our relationship with spirit you know that sense of something greater and that can happen in many for many reasons and in many ways it might be a traumatic experience that's really overwhelming and that we didn't have the support that we needed or the resilience to integrate it or it might be you know, I've been thinking about this too, that it might be cultural. It might be because of our social conditioning and the culture that we yeah. live in where we weren't taught or shown how to be in connection, and I think that's yeah. our relationship with nature today and our relationship with spirit for so many people. Yeah. And then there's the social relationships, whether that's in yeah. family or broader social relationships, and perhaps perhaps someone was, you know, in terms of attachment, that early childhood, those early childhood relationships, someone may not have given, been given the opportunity to learn how to be in connection and mm-hmm. all of, you know, what we know now about the interpersonal neurobiology and child development, all those mm-hmm. relationships might get disrupted later in life. So all of those experiences lead to an an imbalance in the sense of self and mm. sense of self-worth or connectedness, and there's where the power comes in because mm. it disrupts our relationships and it can make us either feel really, really small and disconnected or to compensate, we go into having power over.
0: Right. has a, having- a trauma response. That's really interesting. Yeah.
1: So you're absolutely right. At the heart of it is restoring power dynamics, but when we restore power dynamics, we also restore healthy connection.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I actually hadn't, until you said that, I hadn't really thought about how like the abuser is also um, having a trauma response, right? Like that's an unhealthy (laughs) relationship that they're creating uh, and probably based on their trauma, so that's yeah, so brilliant. I love that. Mm. Yeah, because I've been thinking a lot about how um, the intersection of accessible yoga and trauma informed yoga. Because I feel like really you can't have one without the other. You can't make yoga accessible <laughs> without being conscious of that. You know.
1: Yeah, and and what I love, you know, what I love so much about the work you do and about accessible yoga is that it's you know you're res- helping people to restore their connection with their own bodies and their own self mm. in a way that's accessible to them, you know, in a way that's meaningful to mm. them because you can't restore your connection to your body and your sense of self in a way that works for somebody else. So that's how I see, mm. you know, the, in accessible yoga, that's what you're doing. You're just providing the pathways for reconnection to self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in a way and- that's personally meaningful
0: yeah and I'm wondering how you how you got interested in trauma work because I know that you you lead trainings on trauma-informed yoga and it's been some a passion of yours um
1: yeah I mean so I I studied international development and environmental studies when I when I what
0: didn't you study maybe we should start that (laughs) have you not studied so
1: much people used to ask me they're like is there anything you're not good at I'm like I'm not that good at sleeping and I'm not good at making coffee (laughs) okay
0: that's a start
1: but there's many many more that's changed now now i'm good at sleeping because i've been practicing oh, okay. balance <laughs> um
0: awesome how's the coffee going
1: i don't drink coffee that's why i'm yeah, right.
0: drinking it <laughs> there you go you don't have to make it then exactly <laughs> problem solved no
1: there's so much there's so much that i don't do i really don't do
0: um, <laughs> i don't believe that actually. but yeah okay <laughs> So you were studying what you were studying So I was uh, studying, yeah, environmental, environmental studies
1: and development studies mm-hmm. in my when I quit my astrophysics. But it yes. was, you know, it was learning everything that was wrong with the world socially and environmentally. And then in this in my own studies, you know, my own spiritual practice as well, just touching into that deep place of suffering. And then I went on and studied. I worked in community development and social work and I just saw so much suffering and so much abuse of power and so much ignorance. And we didn't have the language at that time around trauma. It's so recent that we're understanding the concept of trauma. But yeah. I had such a fascination um, with, with the human condition and with this deep suffering And interestingly enough, it's been so long, you know, it's taken me so long to recognize my own experiences of trauma through my childhood because when you grow up and you don't have a name for it, life is normal. Right. So I actually it's only been, you know, maybe in the last 10 years that I even understood that so much of what's driven my work and my path in life or even you know, meditation and yoga has been my own experience and my own you know, suffering of trauma and a deep sense of justice and fairness through that.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can relate. I, I mean, we're talking about this, this podcast is about my new book and that's really what the book is for me is trying to share some of the, experiences that i've had that have led me here and have shaped my understanding of yoga and spiritual practice and and based exactly on what you said i mean the the traumatic events that have really thrown me and also taught me a lot and then um also looking at the ways yoga can address that uh, and the support you can find in the practices but it's it's a it's complex. I'll just say that it's complicated. Like people keep asking me to summarize this book and it's like, well, it's really I mean, it's a lot of things. I don't know. And I feel that way about yoga and trauma, too. Like I think it's just such a complex area. But can you tell us more can you, like what are your like what is your thinking these days about it and um, has it shifted at all the way you think about yoga and trauma?
1: Definitely. It keeps evolving. <clears throat> And like I was sharing before, I think, you know, what we were what we understood as trauma, or even, you know, five years ago or ten years ago, it was still a sort of a clinical idea of trauma: something bad happens to you, and then you individually have to heal from that. That's and and I know that that idea is still common because it takes even though when when, you know, research and knowledge and understanding evolves, these broad concepts, they stick. So there's that more clinical approach. And the way to heal from trauma, you know, is by going to see a therapist. That's Mm. the clinical model. And it's your personal responsibility to do something about it for yourself. Yeah. That's, like, on one hand, that can be the case, and I'm still an advocate of therapy. I think it can be amazing. But when we understand trauma in the context of disrupted relationships and disconnection for a whole range of reasons, like I named before, then the pathway to healing looks really, really different. And the, the blame, so to speak, is also really different. It's not on the individual, but it's what are the cultures and the systems that we live within? What are the communities? What is the strength of our social systems? How do we support one another? How do we stay connected and nurture one another? And the pathway to healing looks very, very different. Mm. And and I'm a big advocate that we need to work on all of those levels at the same time, not necessarily all exactly, you know, synchronistically, but um, working working at all of them. I mean, yoga is amazing because it, it's such a powerful tool for working on an individual and interpersonal and intrapersonal level. Mm-hmm. But this is where the social justice piece comes in, is that we have to be looking at our culture and our systems, and our connection to
0: nature. Yeah. That's why I love you so much, because I love the way you connected trauma to that. Can you say more about that, the connection between? So, well, I'll just, what I just heard you say is that um, in the past, it seemed like we were approaching trauma as an individual problem. Yeah. And now you're saying we need to look at it maybe a bit more meta view. Like, this is a cultural problem, a global problem. Like, there's bigger issues that are creating trauma right and it's not just on us as individuals to fix ourselves but rather to address the um, systemic issues is that right
1: absolutely oh i love your clear succinct summary this is the (laughs) so good at that piece thank you (laughs) that was great
0: no thank you you're very clear actually i just need to repeat it back to myself to make it clear in my head but i think that's what i really always resonate with your work because i love that consciousness of these larger issues and i'm very interested in that especially like around you know what is social justice really and and i love the idea of like trauma addressing trauma through social justice that seems like a really interesting avenue
1: yeah and and the reason why i see that yoga and social justice have to go together or you know the spiritual path social justice because what i've experienced in the social justice world is trying to fix it it is about trying to heal trauma it's about trying to help people heal Mm -hmm. and live better lives and be in connection you know in the social work and community development work i've done that's what we try to do but when the, the bigger picture and the element of spirit and that deeper connection is missing, it can become a fight, you know, a, it can become a power struggle. I've watched and I've experienced people get so caught in the mind and in, you know, mind-based approaches to fixing things. And what's the quote from Einstein? So like, you can't solve a problem from the same mind that created it, from the same kind of thinking <laughs> that created it. It's just like it's so spot-on yeah. talking about someone, you know, yeah. a scientist who was deep in the spiritual realm. Mm. Um, so yeah. there's there's that there's that piece. And I know for me, when I was deeply involved in activism in my late teens and, and early twenties. I had a lot of, you know, I also had a lot of anger and a lot of frustration, you know, starting to learn about the systems of the world that I grew up in and just seeing how unfair yes. it is. And I watched a lot of my friends and colleagues doing the same and the actions came out of, of ang- righteous anger. You know, it was a healthy anger as well. But I also watched how it didn't help people necessarily get hurt sometimes it does I'm not going to say there's not a place for healthy anger there absolutely is but because I was so deep in my own practice of you know Buddhism and meditation I had this deep sense that I want to create the change and I want social justice but it has to be from a place of love and compassion So it gives that broader view of rather than blaming people, of having that deeper compassion and understanding how entrenched ignorance and trauma or wounding is.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that. I don't know
1: if I answered your question. I just ramble.
0: Yes, that was amazing. It was very clear. Um, I could listen to you talk about it all day. (laughs) Uh, I need to take your training, and so I should say, maybe you're 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 leading. Are you still leading trainings? I am. In, I've moved them morning.
1: online because of COVID. I miss yeah. so dearly being in a space with other humans, and but um, I am, and I'm so grateful. Still, you know, we're so fortunate to have this technology. So tell
0: tell me what you're doing. You're leading um, trauma informed and social justice, or inter, are they?
1: They're interwoven, and so I'm offering a hundred hour training. Mm-hmm. which in a way, I mean, it's so weird putting hours on it, you know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's life, it's a life work. Um, yeah. But I really felt like for me sort of 100 hours is is kind of the minimum, you know, when people are really engaged to have a, a foundation and to cover all of the pieces. As you can see, there's lots of pieces. So to cover all of those pieces, but it's split over four modules. So the first one is Trauma-Informed Yoga Foundations, and the mm-hmm. second module is yoga, social justice, and spirit. And I run that mm-hmm. in collaboration with an Australian Indigenous trauma healing organisation. They're actually an hour away from my home is where they're based. Oh, wow. Great, amazing mm-hmm. organisation. Um, and then with other guest speakers from around the world as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a module that's embodied facilitation and community practice, which is more of a practice-based mm-hmm. module, and then a short 10 hour. Um, There's more of a personal practice program, yoga for connection, healing and resilience, which is also one of our public programs. Yeah.
0: Sounds amazing. Okay. I have one more question for you. I was looking back at the, um, the quote that you wrote and that you read to us earlier. And you say something that just really got my attention. Did you talk about your practice being both the fire and the water? Hmm. And I love that image so much. And I just wonder if you could expand on that. Like, how does you feel about yoga being both the fire and the water?
1: Yeah. Is that what I are
0: saying your practice, maybe not yoga, but maybe because your practice might be bigger than that, but I don't know. It, it is bigger
1: or. than that. But also the way I see yoga is that it's, you know, it's, yes, there's the, The support and the guidance and the tools given to us so generously from the lineages. But ultimately, yoga is your own practice of deep inquiry and deep inner listening. And so for me, yoga is the word that encompasses my practice, but it includes, I won't share some of the weird things that I've done, but (laughs) it includes includes a lot um but yoga you know it's kind of that's the that's the anchor but yeah so I mean when I say that it's the fire is that it it gives me the inspiration and the concrete practices and tools for transformation No, really thinking about what's what's the element of fire what's the nature of fire it's both warmth and it's also transformation Mm. you know it's Mm. it's fuel it's the burning and that that's that's inherent in us as human beings at some point or another know that we come into manifestation and at some point there's the call to go home there's the call to heal and it comes as a fire more often than not and so i know without Without those practices, you know, sometimes we can get an inkling of, I need to shift something, something needs to change. But without the anchor and the fire of a practice, often there's no fuel to, to really make it happen. Mm. Mm. Unless you're really lucky, and I have been many times and then just completely had my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Carly, the goddess Carly, is my best friend. Uh, She's kicked my ass so many times. Wow.
0: You have to be careful with your friends.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but they find you and then they don't go away sometimes. Yeah. And, and then the water, the water of it is that it's also the balm. It's the nourishment. Mm-hmm. It's the soothing. It's the day-to-day, like that day-to-day nourishment. And when things mm-hmm. get, you know, when I've really been burnt in the fire, then I take refuge in my practice. Yeah. And maybe how my practice looks shifts. Um, you know, one of my practices recently, I've been working a lot actually with <laughs> nature connection and working with the elements and working with prayer and working with Lakshmi. So doing a, a quite a dedicated practice with Lakshmi.
0: Uh-huh. She's a better friend, I would say.
1: Right. This is I'm finally learning don't just accept the friends that are put in your face, but also choose the ones that are really useful for you. <laughs>
0: Yes, I would think so. Abundance.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share? No,
1: no. I'm I'm just but now I'm in this space of I want to hear all your stories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can read the book. It's all in there. <laughs> well not all. But
1: amazing. So a lot. you to put them into put it all into a
0: movie. Yeah, well it was it's funny, you know, it was such a joy and I shouldn't say joy, it was a process, but enjoyable process to write and i you know to me that's a a creative process and so i realize in many ways i've already let it go you know like i had it i had the experience of writing and editing and rewriting and i'm kind of finished and so now it's funny with this book out in the world like now it's just more about what other people think you know like my part's finished pretty much yeah now it's just up to other people to see what they think but i'd love to know what you think i'd love to hear your thoughts when you get a chance to look at it um you know, and my stories, I feel like they're very connected with yours. Actually,
1: <laughs> that's why um. I'm just like, oh, I love these opportunities to drop in deeper, and and I yeah. really, I I love I love what you do, and I really love how you offer, you know, of yourself into the world, and with such mm. sincerity and with such humility, and it's really rare. So it's I'm also really honoured to be part of your journey too, in some small uh.
0: way. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's so sweet. Well, I I love and admire you too. And I am very grateful for your time and for being here. And I'm sure all of our listeners have enjoyed hearing from you and some of your wisdom. And like I said, I'll add, we can add in the show notes links to your trainings and your website so people can find out more about you and your amazing work. Uh, So thank you so much. Yeah.
1: And I hope, you know, when you said it's like, now it's up to what other people think about the book. What I hear is, you know, as we're sharing our stories, is that I really hope that people are so inspired by your book, you know, to really dive yeah. into their own stories and journeys in, in the way that you, that you have.
0: Thank you. And I actually like you're sharing your contribution to the book. Um, and there's about 15 or 16 others in the book, I feel like that was the point is to show that we each have our journey, but there's a connection there. And I and I just wanted to say that, you know, I think that's my hope. The reader does find something that they can connect with and, and resonate with um, through my story and with yours and with the other contributors. And so it's been fun to do this podcast as well and like have deeper conversations with each of you, you know, and hear a little more than that one paragraph um, so you can share more about your journey. And um, yeah, so... Thank you. Thanks so much for that, for being a part of it.
1: Thanks, Yeah. All
0: right, take care. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening and joining the conversation. Yoga is truly a revolutionary practice. Thanks for being here. If you haven't already, I would love for you to read my book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. It's available wherever books are sold. Also, you can check out my website, jivanahayman.com. There's some pre classes on there and a meditation, and you can find out more about my upcoming trainings and other programs. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye.